0: hey this is pastor arm and i want to thank you for joining me today for the activation church podcast we are here so that people can activate their life in christ and i believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before check it out if you have your bible go ahead and turn it to first samuel the 14th chapter we'll go there in a moment but first i just want to welcome everybody who is watching online Thank you for watching online right now. Thank you for joining us. If you have a prayer request, send it to info at activationonline.org because we would love to pray with you. Last week we started a new series for the year called Ford. And the word that I have in my spirit for us for this year is put your hand to the plow. Can you turn to the person next to you and say put your hand to the plow. If you're watching online right now, put it in the comments. Put your hand to the plow. And I began to pin some statements that I want to refresh you on today. I said, this year, we must do what needs to be done to grow what needs to be grown. This year, we must not look back or get distracted. One of the greatest enemies of your future is your past. Are you aware of that? If you spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror of life, you are going to hinder where you are going. How many of you know it's a bad idea if you were to get in your car today and decide, you know what, I'm going to drive home without looking at the road. Instead, I'm going to look in the rearview mirror. What's going to happen? Nothing good, right? Same thing in life. If we are going to look back, Jim, If we are going to look back and reflect on our past, then we need to pull from those moments and set them up as a memorial that will propel, propel, propel us forward. They become a testimony of God's faithfulness that I am still here. But I don't want to remain there. I don't want to look into my past too long, good or bad, because I believe that I have greater days ahead of me. Someone told me, one time we were talking about some of the things of our past and some of our ministry experiences. And they said, you didn't know it then, but those were the greatest days of your life. Have you, have you ever heard anybody say that to you? I refuse to receive that. I've enjoyed some great stuff, but I refuse to believe that my greatest days are in the rearview mirror. I believe that according to the word of God, he has better for me, and I think that you need to own that as well. So this year, we're not going to look in the past or get distracted. Do not get discouraged by what you see or by what you hear. Do not get weary in well-doing, for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Those who who do not have their hand firmly fixed on the plow will be swept away. But the righteous will inherit the earth. This is the year to rearrange your priorities. That will mean saying no to some of the things that you have said yes to. And that will mean saying yes to some of the things that you have said no to in the past. This year, we must break up the ground and deliver the seed as individuals and corporately as the church. This will be a year of tremendous harvest, but it will only be experienced by those who work the field, sow the seed, and follow through. Tell the person next to you, say, you have to follow through. I repeat those things in your hearing because I want them to settle in your heart. I don't want them to be just some statements that we made on the first Sunday of the year, and then we never reflect on them throughout the year. I want these seven things to be a part of who we are this year. I want it to be a part of our fiber and our being. And today I want to kind of zoom in on the second and third statement that I said, which is, this year we must not look back or get distracted. Do not get discouraged by what you see or by what you hear. Do not get weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. There is a due season. Many people never make it to the promise because they don't understand the process. They don't understand there is a due season, so they give up in the middle of it. But the Bible teaches that if we will not get weary in well-doing, but well doing, but will keep on doing what we know to do, if we'll keep our hand to the plow, then in due season we shall. That's a promise, it's emphatic. We shall reap if, that's a big if, we do not give up. You have to understand that life is made up of seasons and cycles. There is a time to plant, and there is a time to reap what you have planted. But in between who you are right now and your growing season, there will be a process of time and there will be some obstacles that you're going to have to overcome. Did you hear what I just said? In between where you are and where you want to go, in between who you are and your growing season, there will be obstacles always. There will always be obstacles obstacles that you will have to overcome and how you handle those obstacles will determine how you land on the other side you need to understand that as much as god wants to move you forward there is an enemy that wants to hold you back as much as god wants to move you forward there is an enemy that wants to hold you back. The good news is that if you can stay the course, keep your eyes fixed, then you have to know that you are actually built to win. You're not built to lose. You are built for victory. That's why the Bible says things like you are more than a conqueror. Michael, you're not just built to conquer. You are more than a conqueror. If God is for you, then who can stand against you? I love David's attitude at life. He says, by my God, I can run through a troop. What's the troop? It's an obstacle. But he says, I can run through it. Then he says, by my God, I can leap over a wall. What's the wall? It's an obstacle. What is David saying? I understand. I'm not in this thing alone. And because God is for me, Any troop that stands in my way, I will plow through them. Any wall that stands in my way, I will jump over it in the name of Jesus Christ. And that is the attitude that you need to have in 2023 as you face the obstacles and challenges that will come your way. Because let me say it again. As much as God wants to move you forward, there is an enemy that wants to hold you back. So now I want to go to 1 Samuel The 14th chapter. We're going to start reading in verse 1, and we're going to see a story of Jonathan, who is the son of King Saul. Saul was the king in Israel. And so we're going to see the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And in this story, we're going to see a couple of challenges that they have to face. A couple of obstacles we find in the details that they have to deal with. They're important for us to identify because I believe that we can use these challenges that they face to identify how the enemy is going to come at you. Because you need to know this, the enemy only comes at you a certain way. If you read through Scripture, you'll see his pattern. started in the beginning with Adam and Eve. He used this tactic on them. When Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by him, he uses the same tactic, and you need to know that he's going to use the same tactic on you. It's helpful to know these scenes because then if I know where the attack is coming from, then I know how to stand and prepare myself. Are you with me this morning? Are you alive? Are you breathing? 1 Samuel 14, the Bible says in verse 1, One day Jonathan the son of Saul said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. That's a troop. He's saying there's an army over there. They are our enemies. Let's go check it out. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah and Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, son of Phineas. Son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Verse 4. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on one side and a rocky crag on the other side. The name of the one was Bozez. Somebody say Bozes. And then the name of the other was Sina. Somebody say Sina. There's a detail here that the Bible is giving us. How many of you know that God's word doesn't have any accidents in it? So if it wants to give us the information of what the crags are called, we should pay attention. So the first one, it says, is Bozaz, which means shiny. The second one is called Sina, which means Thorny. So we have one crag that's very shiny and one crag that's very thorny. Now let's go to verse 5. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash and the other on the south in front of Geba. Now Jonathan said to his, the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. Let me paraphrase that. If God is for you, nothing can stand against you. It doesn't matter if you feel like you are a solo act facing a huge army. If God is with you, nothing is impossible. That's what Jonathan is saying to his armor bearer. He said, hey, let's just go see what's going on. Maybe God will give us the victory because nothing can stop God from saving, whether it be a few or by many. Verse 7, and his armor bearer said to him, I love this attitude, do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. I love that. Jonathan, whatever mission you have on your mind, I am with you, heart and soul. And he doesn't just say it, he backs it up by what he does. See, a lot of times people will tell you one thing and do a complete different thing. I've learned this as a pastor. Bob, a few years ago, we were facing some things here at the church. Some people decided that they were going to shift on and move um, with their life, which I'm good with that, I understand, you know, and one of our team members encouraged me before the service, and he said, Pastor Arm, it's going to be okay. He said, we are going to get through this. I was like, you know what, thank you for standing with me. Two weeks later, he was gone too. <laughs> so I've learned it's not just about what you say, it's about what you do. And the armor bearer here says, I believe what you said about the mission. I also believe that God is on our side. And if you want to go check it out, I'm going to go with you. I don't know how it's going to work out. And the truth is, none of us know how life is going to work out. But I do know God is on my side. I do know that he holds my future. I do know that he is working all things to my good. And if you follow the story on, you'll see that they go in and they have a victory. The two men defeat at least 20, the Bible says. But before they defeat the army, before they have the victory, they had to deal with some obstacles in between. Now, the obvious obstacle they had to deal with was the army. But what I want to submit to you today is it's not always the obstacle that we know that gets us. Many times it's the obstacle we're not aware of. Sometimes we are prepared for the obstacle we know. We're prepared for the enemy we know, but we're not prepared for the stuff that is unseen. How many of you ever heard of trench foot? You ever heard of it? It's a condition that happens from walking in wet, cold environments without proper footwear. And it can be deadly. As a matter of fact, during World War I, 2,000 American soldiers and 75,000 British soldiers lost their life to trench foot. Not to bombs, not to guns, but by wearing poor Footwear. They were trained to fight the army they knew about, but they were not prepared for the elements. See, Jonathan and Saul, I mean, sorry, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they were aware of the Philistines on the other side of the crag. When they set in their heart to go after them, they knew that once they got there, there was going to be a real battle to fight, and they had to trust God to fight that battle with them. But in the meantime, what they were not thinking about was the terrain they were going to have to go through to get to where they wanted to go. They weren't thinking about the steep crag on one side that is shiny, that is blinding from the sun, glaring off of it. They weren't thinking about the crag on the other side that was full of thorns, that if they go there, they're going to get hurt. If they go there, they could get stuck. How many of you have ever been stuck in a thorn thicket before? That's no fun. I've done it. And this is what they have to deal with. And within these two things, the shiny place and the thorny place, we find the attack of the enemy on our life. Because the shiny place deals with distractions. Somebody say distractions. Distractions. Matthew 6:33 Jesus says, here's the game plan. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which means his way of doing things. And then everything that you need will be added unto you. So your main priority in life is to seek what first? What? The kingdom of God. Jesus makes it very plain to us before anything else You seek after my kingdom and my way of doing things. If you'll do that, you'll step into a blessing. If you'll go after my kingdom, you'll find favor. If you'll go after my kingdom, you'll find peace. If you'll go after my kingdom, you'll find joy. Everything that you need will be added unto you if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, if that should be our main priority, to seek first the kingdom of God, then what do you think, The main objective of the enemy is going to be to distract us from the thing that we seek. You see it happen in the very beginning of time with Adam and Eve. He gets them looking at the fruit. The Bible says when she saw that it was pleasing to the eye and it seemed like it would taste good, then she took and ate of it. He didn't have to shove the fruit down her throat. All he had to do is make them look at it. See, many times when we're expecting an attack from the enemy, we're expecting him to come out with all this stuff, and it's not necessarily always that way. Sometimes all he has to do is get us to look in the wrong direction. You see it in the story of David and Bathsheba. It's the time when kings should be out at war. David should not have been at home. He should have been on the battle line with his people, but he wasn't. He's comfortable. He's at home. And then he notices Bathsheba. Distraction. That distraction led to a lot of pain and loss in his life. See, here's what you need to know. The devil doesn't have to destroy you. All he has to do is distract you, and you'll destroy yourself. He doesn't have to destroy your marriage. All he has to do is distract you, and you will destroy your marriage. You can, anything that you want to talk about today, you can put it right there in the blank. If he can distract you, then you will destroy it. And that's one of the main ways he comes at us is through our distraction. He shifts our focus. Because if he can shift our focus, he'll shift the trajectory of our life. Because how many of you understand that you will follow your focus? What after, whatever you are looking at is what you will eventually go after. I learned that truth when I was learning how to ride a motorcycle. They said, whatever you look at is where that bike's going to go. So when you're in a turn, you've got to look into that turn, you've got to lean into that turn, because if you've got to turn that way and you're looking that way, the bike is going to go that way. That's how our life works. Whatever you are looking at, whatever you are focusing on is where you're going to go. So many of the problems that we face in life have to do with improper focus, poor focus. Focus is what stands in between who you are right now and who you want to become. That's a million-dollar statement right there. Every single person in this room has potential. Every single person in this room has potential ability. Every single person in this room has the same amount of hours in a day. The difference between those who will become successful in life and those who will accomplish nothing in life is this. Focus. It's not education. Listen, I'm for education. I think it's important. You should train your mind. But that's not the key, is it, Bob? It's focus. It's drive it's follow through it's setting your course this is where my eyes are this is where I'm going so now let me apply that to life if it comes to my marriage I have to know where I want that marriage to be and I have to keep my eyes fixed on that if it comes to being a father I have to know what kinda father I want to be and I have to keep my eyes fixed on that and although I may fail Although I may not do it right every time, I don't get distracted by the stuff that's going on around me. I don't get distracted by even my personal failures. I keep my eyes fixed. I keep on moving because I know if I will be focused, if I will stand my ground, if I will not get weary in what I know to do is right, then I will reap in due season. Are you still with me this morning? Distraction, that's the first weapon he's going to come at you with. The reason distraction is so dangerous is because it opens us up to the second attack, which is the thorny places, the places that trap us. And that thorny place in our life is deception. Somebody say deception. I was <laughs> listening to a story of a pastor one time. And he was saying that in their church offices, they like to play pranks on one another. And what they would do is they would hide somewhere in the office building, and then whenever you stepped into the room, they would jump out and scare you. And so he, being aware of this, shows up to the office one morning early, and when he goes into his office, he hears something in his little closet, and he knows somebody's in there waiting to jump out and scare him. So immediately he runs up to the door. He pushes it shut. He says, I know you're in there. He said, now what I'm going to do is I'm taking this chair. I'm putting it up against the doorknob so that you can't get out. And you're going to have to spend the entire day in the closet. Because what had happened is one of his employees showed up like really, really early to get there before the boss. And he's been sitting in this closet waiting for his boss to get there. But now the boss is there. He knows he's there. And he tells him, I've got a chair against the door. You're not going to be able to get out. What the guy did not know is there was no chair against the doorknob. So he's in there. He's whining and crying about being stuck in this closet. And the pastor said, no, you are staying in there all day. So the pastor goes on about his day. He's in a conference meeting, sitting in the conference room. And he said, I started hearing something up in the, the ceiling. He said, about that time, the man fell through the ceiling onto the conference table and he was like, what are you doing? He said, well, you locked me in your closet. He said, dummy, the chair wasn't there. I just told you it was. He became a prisoner trapped by deception. Truth is, at any moment he wanted to, he could have turned the knob and walked out. How many times has that happened to us in our life? What we do not know is destroying us. The truth we do not know is destroying us, and we're open up to every kind of deception the enemy is trying to bring at us. He distracts us and he deceives us. He'll deceive you, Denise, into thinking that so-and-so has a problem with you that they don't even have a problem with. And as soon as you believe it, then you'll start responding to so-and-so in a certain way because you think they feel that way about you. There have been times in my life that I've had feelings about a certain issue and these feelings are strong and I start believing these feelings and I start thinking through these feelings I start thinking through the scenario of how I'm going to operate in this feeling when this person does this, this is how I'm going to respond and the one time I stopped and I thought you know what, I'm just going to talk to that person about my feelings and I shared with them what I felt like was going on they're like that couldn't be further from the truth. And then they laid out their truth towards me, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Now I'm free, because I know the truth. But if you don't know the truth, you will always be open to deception. And here's the thing about these two attacks that you need to know, they will never stop. There will never come a time in your life where the enemy goes, you know what, I'm not gonna try to distract them anymore. I'm not going to try to deceive them anymore. It's never going to happen. He will try everything within his power to distract you, and if he can't affect you, he'll distract someone around you that you love because of your love for them, then it's going to affect you. How many of you know that's true? Like you can be really solid in your faith, and things come your way, and it's like, doesn't matter because I know God's, Debbie, I know God's with me. So I may, you know, I'm not, I'm not allowing this to shake me. But then it touches someone I love, and they're not as firm, and they start to wiggle and squirm a little bit, then it, it, it bothers me, and what, what happens? It becomes a distraction. So I can never stop the distraction. I can never stop the attempt of the deception, but I can prepare for it. I can be aware that there is a battle for my mind. And I can do everything within my ability to keep my focus in the proper place. The, the, the best place I can keep my mind is stayed on the Word of God. Because if I can stay my mind on the Word of God, that's where peace is going to come from. That's where strength is going to come from. That's where wholeness is going to come from. That is where truth is going to come from. And if I can get so filled with truth, then there will be no room for deception but I've gotta fill myself with truth. You know how many times I've talked around this topic in churches and people don't take it and they still allow the deception to happen? They still allow the distraction to happen? What I'm trying to tell you today is as we move forward this year, you don't have to allow the enemy to hinder you. You have power over the enemy you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Everything has been placed under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I am seated with him, where are my feet? Ashley, will you bring me that chair, please, again? I want to show you something. Come here. This is my wife, so it's okay. Okay. Stand over here. (laughs) Daddy. Seated in my chair. I'm going to like this. (laughs) Seated with me. Are you getting the picture? I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. This is his position on the throne. This is my position with him. Everything that is under his feet is now under my feet. I feel God on that. Everything that is under his feet is under my feet now because he has authority and he has given me authority. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and then he said, guess what, buddy? I'm giving you the keys. I'm giving you the power. I'm giving you the victory. He says, my word carries power, and guess what? Now your word carries power because you're going to speak my word. Thank you. You can go down the stairs if you want. I'm going to leave the chair here. We'll finish that later. (laughs) Don't be embarrassed. (laughs) I'll stop because I could go. But, all right. Are you following what I'm saying? Please understand this today. You have been positioned in Christ Jesus for victory over every trial, over every deception, over every distraction. So why would you give your mind over to something that you've already destroyed? Bob, this mo- I woke up at 4.40 this morning, and I was laying in bed, and as I was laying in bed, panic started to come on top of me. And I was like, whoa, I was like, what is this? And I was like, no, not today. (laughs) Not today. And I began to pray myself through that moment. I wasn't going to give myself into that moment. I wasn't going to allow what the enemy wanted to do in my life. You know, it's like a package that's delivered to your house that doesn't have your name on it. Did you know you don't have to receive it? Is it returned to sender? How many times does the enemy send something our way that doesn't even have our name on it, we go, I wonder what this is. And open it up. We take it in. This year can be a different year for you. If you're watching online, this year can be a different year for you. But you can't look back. You can't get distracted. You cannot get discouraged by what you see or by what you hear because we will see things and we will hear things that will try to discourage us. And if you give up in the process, you will not reap what God has intended for you to reap. I've seen it happen too many times. In church, somebody comes in, God starts blessing them. God starts bringing restoration and healing to them and their families and to their marriage. Things are good, but then pressure comes. What happens? They crack under the pressure, they bell ship, and their life ends up being off worse than it was before. Go back to that story of, of, of Jesus when he talks about the, the binding of the strong man and come in, he cleans the house. Think about that. You and I were talking about this morning, Bob. You were talking about how revival will happen and and things will, like, God would just start doing crazy things, but then people don't know how to handle it, and so then their life goes stir crazy. It's because when Jesus comes in and cleans the house, once that house is cleaned, you better fill it with something good because if not, the same enemy that was occupying that space will come back with seven others and say, hey, we're moving in. You can't allow that to happen. Please hear me, Anthony, you can't allow that to happen. When the house is cleaned, you you better fill it with the Spirit of God. You better fill it with the Word of God because if not, if you leave that space empty, something will come in and fill it. I don't know who that's a word for today because I did not plan on saying that, but you better fill that space with something good. Let me tell you, some, some of you in here, the enemy is after your home and he's after your marriage. And if you don't fill that space, with the Spirit of God, it is going to crumble. The enemy is after your children, and if you don't fill that space with the Spirit of God, that thing is going to crumble. You've got to have your hand on that plow this year. You've got to be moving it. You've got to be working it. You've got to be moving forward. Because if not, you are going to get swept away. Please hear that. I know that's strong. I know that's a difficult thing to hear sometimes. We want to come to church and it all be... And I love having a good time, but sometimes God is wanting us to hear something because he's trying to save us from something that we're about to step into. And some of you are about to step into something that will be devastating if you don't turn it around. And today, before you leave, you need to make up your mind. I'm not stepping into that. I'm not going to get distracted, and I'm not going to look at the apple or the fruit and think about how good it looks or how good it tastes. I'm keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for those that are in this room and for those that are watching online. And Lord, I'm asking that you would touch us all. Lord, give us a mind that will be focused. Give us a heart that will be fixed. Lord, when distractions come, let your word and your voice be the only thing that we hear. Lord, let us be filled with your truth so that there's no room for deception. In Jesus' name, amen.